welcome to Avowedcast, the fan community podcast for Obsidian Entertainment's future RPG game titled Avowed. This is a podcast for fans by fans. We're not affiliated with Obsidian in any way, but we would gladly elect them Prime Minister of Britain because, well, why not at this point? My name is Sora, and I'm joined by many other fans from around the world as we discuss the world of Aora and Avowed. In this episode, we're going to take a different slant because it is October. We're going to discuss why the world of Aora is perfect for an atmospheric horror RPG. See you, do I come to kill old Merwald? To claim his keep? Cadnua, home to me for decades now. Welcome to Voutcast, everyone. We have a big program today with a lot of our uh, contributing hosts today joining me. Um, our our main topic today is going to be, a, well, let's say it's going to be not a topic, but a prediction for me. And my prediction is going to be this, that Avowed could potentially be the spookiest first-person RPG ever made. I know that that's divisive. I understand the people are already on Reddit piping my name in, uh, and that's fine. That's a prediction I have, and I think I really want to get there through through an arch. So today we're going to talk about some of our favorite spooky games and RPGs and what made them that way. Um, but we're also going to kind of talk about the world of Aora because I kind of think it's it's the perfect breeding ground for this type of game. And I have some I have some ideas in defense of that comment. So I just want to say that I'm using the word spooky today instead of the word scary. And I do that intentionally when we're talking about the topic. Um, but I'll get into that in a second. I kind of want to go around the horn here and see what everybody's been up to. Um, I guess I'll start with Kiwi. Have you been playing any games lately? Yeah, actually, the Wrath of the Lich King classic came out on Monday. Oh, no, actually, Tuesday. And I've been leveling my character ever since. Yeah, that's a huge announcement. Have you? Uh, are you getting into the the dragon stuff, or are you just going with Wrath of the Lich King? Are you looking forward to the new expansion? Uh, I believe I'm gonna skip the scaly expansion. <laughs> that's probably good. And how is Wrath feeling to you? Because I'm very interested in that. Oh, I, it's 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 really fine. I like I played Wrath of the Lich King private servers a lot, and I played Wrath when it first came out in retail. It's 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 really nice. We have a good guild, and yeah, that's awesome. Um, that's 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 one I'll probably dive into. It's a little scary for me, but I'm I'm definitely interested in checking it out. Um, parenthesis, what have you been up to? So what I games am I going to buy? What games am I going to have to buy now? I, I don't think you you will need to buy this one. So I I've been playing through uh, Re the Resident uh, Evil uh, series or at least some of it, and I've gotten through Resident Evil One HD remake and gotten about halfway through the Resident Evil Two remake. Um, so that's uh, that's that's an interesting series and might not exactly be my cup of tea, but it's uh, it's certain I can see why it's been popular. Yeah, it's it's perfect for today's podcast. You're doing your research, yes. and I appreciate that. Resident Evil Two is one of my favorites. I don't know how other people feel about it, but uh, that one and Biohazard are two big ones on my list. Um, Resident Evil Two, if it's the one I'm thinking of where they just redid it, is pretty yes, phenomenal. Is it the one with the big 
burly Mr. X with a little fedora who's stomping through the police station. Yeah. <laughs> That's classic. Um, Lazar, what have you been playing? Um, well, we've been also playing, uh, I mean, me and my girlfriend. I don't know if you n- know about this game. It's called Moon Hunters. It's a it's a very neat concept. It's a role playing game, but it but it's at the same time a casual role playing game, meaning that um, you don't have to devote like tens and hundreds of hours because uh, it's a concept where uh, like every time when you start playing the game, it's it's uh, it's the same story and it's the same uh, scenario. But um, the thing is that. In order for you to complete the game and to uh, and to like gather clues as to you know solve basically the the main uh, you know the main problem in in the story, you, you're gonna have to do it multiple times. And it's basically like uh, the scenario is always the same, but the the world is always a bit different, and the stories in there are always a bit different. And then there's this over overarching overarching um you know evil uh that it that always devours the world uh you know after a time which is like around like two hours of real-time gaming um and so like every, with every pr- playthrough you gather more and more clues as to how you could uh impede this uh this all imminent uh, all ending doom from coming and uh, like we've been we've been playing like maybe five p- playthroughs so far and I feel like we've we've managed to to actually we ha- we are we are getting closer and closer to to you know actually finishing the game but um and it's um so when yeah. you say we do you mean couch co-op or yeah couch co-op it's a couch okay co-op wow. Game. But you, but you can you can also play it. I'm pretty sure it's on Steam. You can also play it on online. I'm pretty sure uh, we're playing it on Xbox, um, and it's like a, a it's a it's a basically a multiplayer uh, role playing casual role playing game. Like it's a retro in terms of aesthetics. It's a retro style, um, you know that asymmetrical uh, up down left right movement. Right, uh, kind of thing, uh, and what I, and also what I really like in it is that, uh, like in terms of the game world, it's heavily heavily inspired by ancient Mesopotamia, which I really like, and I don't understand why don't uh, more games are inspired by ancient Mesopotamia because it's just so awesome and intriguing. <laughs> For a second, I thought you were um, going to say, and I'm from ancient Mesopotamia, so I really right, don't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, mic like, drop. Yeah. Is it is it like a bit yeah. of Gilgamesh and that? Um, it's it's um, yeah yeah th- th- there are similarities like um, for example just the names like the place names and uh, and people's names are also kind of adjacent to what you would read in the the epic of Kirgamesh. Very cool. I'm 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 sold. I'm definitely sold on that one. That sounds pretty awesome. Wow. Um, Remoran, what are you what are you up to? For the last week, I have been obsessed with Grounded. I've been playing Grounded, man, oh, hours wow. a day. It is excellent. Now, I played a little bit of it in early access, a very little bit, because I don't really like playing games in early access because 
I play prim usually primarily for the story and there wasn't really any story. So I didn't realize how large the world was until I actually started playing it, you know, in full release last week. And I mean, it has a great story. There is like this, mis this it's, it takes place in 1990. So it has this weird kind of like almost Stranger Things vibe going on. And it's good, but I think the real star of the show is the ecology and how like all the bugs and how they interact with the systems of the world. You know, like there's a day and night cycle. Some bugs are only come out at night. Like the like wolf spiders only hunt at night because they're nocturnal and they're like super like scary uh, to see them. But like building bases, it's, it's ridiculous. And like, as you, you know, chop, uh, I, I say wood, but I mean like grass, uh, you get better at it. You get mutations and you get better at it. So there's a, it's, it's a very obsidian, it's a survival game, but it feels like a very obsidian game. Yeah, I played. Uh, I've, I'm sure several of us have joined in. I don't know, but I've I played quite a bit of it a while ago uh, when it was first released. You know, for testing and, and purposes and such. So I played quite a bit of it. It. I think the reason I didn't stick with it was it felt so fragmented and and kind of. But it's supposed to because it was it was not fully yeah, released was, yet. And I've heard it yet. now has like a tutorial and all of that. Wow, Heck yeah. that's like a that's like a full game. I need to give it a try. I'm I'm so glad I've been seeing the reception for it as like way different and phenomenally better than early access because I was only kind of lukewarm towards early access. So this is this is good. I'm looking forward to it now. Now I'll definitely have to jump into it. So Gingerino, what have you been playing other than you know childcare? Yeah. Um, actually, I've been playing a lot of games. But uh, first, uh, I want to like uh, quickly ag agree with parenthesis on the scariest person that I know in video games is the guy with the fedora from Resident Evil Two. <laughs> I haven't even played that game. I've watched people play it, and I'm like, this guy scares the living hell out of me. I hate it. Um, anyway, sorry. Um, I've been playing the same game that uh, since the end of August, and uh, I've so I know I'm late to the game, no pun intended. But I finally jumped into my first From Software game with Elden Ring. Uh. Yeah, um, and I love it. So I'm one of them now. Oh well. Yeah, I think that that's that's kind of trigger. That kind of goes into what we're talking about today with atmospheric kind of horror. I mean that that game it drips with atmosphere. It drips with a lot of stuff. Um, I'll say <laughs> that <laughs> it's it's a it's a big old game for sure. Do you have a death months. count? How many times have you died? I don't know. Is there a way to check? I've died so many times. Like, dude, I'm so bad at from software games. Like, there's a reason I never played Dark Souls or any other ones. I played Bloodborne, but that's my friend carried me through the whole thing, so it wasn't really playing. This is the first time I've actually tried it. I I've died so much, but yeah, man, the open world design for this game really makes it a lot more accessible because you're not just gated by some boss in a hallway. You can be like, I'm gonna go over here instead. So I know this is old conversation. Everyone and their dog have played Elden Ring already, but not me. Oh, I, I've watched it being played. I've watched it on Twitch. Uh, I've watched people play it, but I can't. I can't touch it because I don't think my mind can handle. Just me as a gamer, I'm not in that style of game. I appreciate it and respect it, but it is frustrating. So I don't know that I can handle dying and failing so much. Um. 
Yeah, that's always been my turnoff for a lot of From Software games too, is just like, I don't have the time or energy to want to bang my head against a wall. I will say Elden Ring definitely does change it up because if you're having trouble, you can be like, all right, piss on this. I'm going to turn around 180 degrees and see what's over here. And they've done a really good job of filling the world with rewarding exploration in a way that like you, f- you actually feel like you're accomplishing something and you do get better and then you go back to where you're having trouble and all of a sudden, oh, I know how to do this now. So they've, they've done a great job on it. I never would have touched a From Software game if it wasn't for this. Well, I mean, I'll have to play it someday, but I'm waiting it's until still full it's price, Game so maybe Pass. Just, yeah, I'm just waiting wait. for yeah our $10 okay. bin at GameStop, whatever, you know. Uh, which who knows if that'll ever happen, but um, even the old games now are still selling at, at higher prices. I mean, they're just so popular. Um, me, I've been playing... Um, uh, well, I've been playing one that's embarrassing to admit, but as usual, I have no problem shaming myself. And the other one, which is probably more acceptable to the gaming community. So the first one that you know you send your shame my way or whatever is uh i've been playing dreamlight valley on on xbox and absolutely love it (laughs) love that game it is amazing if you are into animal crossing at all if you're that kind of player and you like that element i think they did a fantastic job they learned a lot from different games in that genre and I think they kind of mesh them all together, kind of the way Disney does with everything. You know, they take the best from everybody else and and try to mesh it. It's not perfect, but it's definitely a calming game. And so if I've, if I've had one of those days where I just need the mindless uh, calming, that does it for me. But I also started one that I'm slightly addicted to. And I think somebody on here mentioned it before because it was on my list, but Cult of the Lamb. And I'm loving that one. And that is just very unique and just kind of a a bizarre game in that you kind of start your own cult and it's very dark and the theme is very dark and adult and um, just this really powerful gameplay loop. I love love it and highly recommend it if you haven't given it a try, if you want something different. Um, It's very different. I can't even really, I guess... I mean, it's a single player, uh, I don't know, sim style. I don't even know how to explain what kind of game it is, but it's fun and it's really cool. Um, And I don't think it's too expensive. I can't remember. I think it's like 20 bucks on Steam or something. Yeah, Um, it's pretty, pretty decently priced. It's really cool. It's really fun. It's very bizarre, very uh, crazy. Some of the stuff in there is, is quite crazy as to what you you make your people do. And uh, uh, I don't know. It kind of brought about vibes of what was there was a the game that uh, the Fable guy was working on, the godlike game. It kind of brought about those vibes a little bit. You know, he's kind of going in that same theme of where you're you're like the god kind of, um, even though you're not. You're kind of like the god, and you're you're forcing these people to do the do your bidding. So it's kind of cool. Um, so anyway, thanks for all your 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 notes on what you've been up to. All good suggestions for anybody who's listening and wants to try out a new game. You got a lot of choices now. I want to go back to what we're talking about, which was I said I was using the word spooky instead of scary. And let me explain, because I think there's a lot of different types of horror games out there. And we are kind of focusing on RPGs. Yes, we can talk about some some other games, of course. But um, I think when I see spooky, I'm talking more atmospheric horror instead of things like 
shock horror or trigger horror or jump scares. So we're talking more about building the tension of taking the time of putting in the work and the atmosphere to manipulate the emotions and feelings of people who have played, uh, you know, multiple games and they kind of know what buttons to push for us to make us feel certain things. So before we even dive into Aora and why I think it's a perfect place to do that, I was going to kind of go around the group and just kind of ask you what some of your favorite atmospheric horror games may have been if you played any um, and and what game or game moments kind of kept you awake at night and made you leave the light on per se. You know, I'm going to start out while you're thinking about your answers and tell you what my choice is. Um, actually kind of had two, but I'm going to start with the main one. And that is alien isolation is one of the ones I remember early on for me. That was an atmospheric horror game. Not necessarily an RPG. I mean, I guess you could argue in a way because you do kind of build up things, but, um, it created the perfect tense atmosphere for me. I'm a huge fan of the alien franchise. It went with the old style of the first movie. Um, the mix of sound effects, music, and another element that a lot of games don't use a lot of, and that is silence. I really love when they were able to use silence in a game to really ratchet up the tension and make me freak out. Um, and there was a mix of lit areas, some partially lit, some very, very dark. Um, and of course, the unpredictable nature of the xenomorph itself was terrifying. Um, but I would say second place, a close second place for me would probably be Bioshock, which was kind of that the discovery in that game, which is something I really liked. The the especially the first time you play Bioshock One. I mean, being introduced to this world and this aesthetic that they created the whole creepy aesthetic and the style of it all that to me was uh something that created that eerie feeling for me that that uneasiness that um fear i guess would be a way to call it that um so anyone else want to i'm just not going to call on you by name but just anyone want to jump in and share a game well for me personally besides alien um Isolation, which was so scary that I never completed it. Uh, I remember that. <laughs> I also wouldn't finish. There's an old uh, Sierra adventure game called Lighthouse: The Dark Being, and uh, it, it's a it's, a, it's an old game. It has 3D models. They are fairly low poly. Uh, the humans actually look like humans and are not scary. The Dark Being is scary as shit. At least it was to me as a young boy, and uh, I didn't really have nightmares, but I was afraid to turn off the light that night. And it's an adventure game. But then again, it's a Sierra adventure game. They'll kill you without a thought. And this exactly has access to transdimensional teleportation powers. Whoops. I'm trying to look up a picture of this right now. So what's the name of the game again? Because I don't even remember this one. And I'm from that era. Oh, Lighthouse is what you're talking yeah. about. Lighthouse, yeah, I never played that being. one. Um, but I'm looking to see if I can find a picture of this thing. So it can terrify me as well. Uh, oh, I kind of see, I think I see one. Yeah, that is pretty terrifying, especially if I'm a kid playing this game. Damn, that's a good one. Uh, anyone else have any choices they want to throw out? I have Diablo 1 and 2. When I was, I mean, I played them when I was a teenager, 
And th especially the, the first cutscene of Diablo 2, uh, where like the Wanderer kills everybody in that inn, it's like just the, it has a terrifying kind of aesthetic and vibe that I mean, it's why I did not like Diablo 3 at all, because it lost all of that. And you could just tell Diablo 1 and 2 had an, an ambiance to it that was just terrifying. Sometimes I would play and like I wouldn't be able to sleep at night, not, not necessarily because I was scared, but because the imagery was so like scary like uh, Bale's face, like inside the, the first cut scene of uh, Lords of Destruction is just terrifying. Well, and at the, if you think about it, at the time that that game came out, there wasn't a whole lot of games that were adult. Like, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of games that, that, that just went head on into uh, incredibly violent scenes um, and just walking into in some of the dungeons of these corpses that have been staked and just you, not something you saw a lot of back then um, and they just leaned heavily into I totally agree with you I think Diablo 3 is an arcade game and everything before it was brilliantly designed and I mean you can just look at the way they develop don't even get me into Diablo 3 and what a piece of no, shit no 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 you're, you're totally right man like it's not um, scary but, at all but, but oh I mean, it's, it's not it's, and it and, the, and they just took everything out of it that was like I don't know anyway I'm not gonna go down that road but and compare the intro of Diablo 3 to the intro to Diablo 2 just like the walking into the insane asylum that Marius is in and just hearing all the screaming and and his whole experience has has made him insane. So you come into it thinking like, what what happened to this man? And you just don't get that at all in Diablo 3. Yeah, totally in agreement there. Any Anyone else on our panel want to jump in with an experience or a game that they played that uh, uh, created this feeling? Um... I played as a young boy of maybe 13 or 14 the uh, the video game called The Suffering. Um, it was it was a third person shooter that was like a, an all out a, a flat out uh, horror shooter basically and like you know the, the story was that you had to you had to shoot your way out of an asylum uh, that was full of monsters. And it was fucking horrifying. Uh, I remember like having having some nightmares, definitely. Yeah. yeah that was an old PlayStation 2 game, right? Um, I think, well, I think so. Out. Or was it on Windows yes, as PlayStation well? PlayStation 2. Well, yeah. I played it on PC, so I don't, but yeah. Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the pictures now. That is pretty terrifying. Um, definitely brings up those spooky vibes. Anyone else uh, want to throw something out? Uh, man, I've, I like famously hated horror games. From I was too scared to play Legend of Zelda or Green of Time when I was a kid because the spider at the end of the first mission oh my first gosh. scared me too much. So I don't have a lot to contribute. Um, you mentioned Bioshock. That's obviously a big one. I think the first scary game that I ever like actually pushed my way through was a game called Singularity, which I don't even know if it's actually scary, but I thought it was scary. It was a, a first-person shooter game where you're investigating this like paranormal island and these weird monsters are walking around. Uh, but the the one game I would like to highlight 
which isn't like super terrifying, but it definitely has moments of high tension is a play dead's game inside. Have you tried that one? Oh yes. Mm. Yeah. I love the atmosphere of that game. Uh, and their first, the game before that limbo also has some pretty freaky moments. That was the first one where I'm like, oh, they killed a child. That was interesting. I haven't seen that done uh, (laughs) until that point. But yeah, inside, man, like everything from like the start of just trying to avoid people and then like the dogs chasing you and you just barely jump off the edge, uh, trying not to get eaten alive by the the water monster girl thing. And then the weird, I I don't know what you call it, a body horror thing at the end there. (laughs) Doesn't it have like... I can I kind of remember when playing it there was several spiders in there did that not freak you out or I guess oh, the dude. Yeah. Didn't it's, they? Yeah, yeah there like were a, there were some large spiders and stuff. There was a lot of things that killed you in all of these games. Limbo had the big spiders that would spear you. Oh, Limbo is what I'm thinking about. Yes, Limbo is what I'm thinking about. That's Limbo the one. was also Lim- scary. I, I super creepy. Scary. Yeah, it is. I mean, these guys play dead. They do so good. I can't wait for whatever game they make next, if they make one. But yeah, if you haven't checked out Inside, I believe it's on Game Pass. You do yourself a favor, run through the two hours of it. It's especially the ending. It's a weird ass game. And uh, you'll think about it for a while. Probably. 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 Yeah. It's it's got some weird stuff. I mean, these are all great. These are all excellent. I think these come to mind for a lot of people. I mean, if we wanted like... If we want to kind of, so so can an atmospheric horror game also be a shock horror game? Yes, there can be jump scare moments in every game, but w- games that are mostly like ninety percent atmospheric horror, um, some that came to mind for me that were RPGs, specifically RPGs that kind of can focus our discussion toward avowed is. Um, I mean, in System Shock 2, which was an old classic for me. I had a GameCube when I was younger, and I played Eternal Darkness, Sanity's Requiem on that, and that was spooky. Uh, as we mentioned before, the Diablo franchise, the earlier editions, the first one especially was terrifying. Darkest Dungeon kind of. Um, Stalker is kind of a survival Excuse horror me. RPG. Your guy. Yes. Uh, and I would even argue, I mean, Elden Ring is definitely kind of it's got, a... It's got a spooky atmosphere to it. I mean, it I, does. Haven't, it hasn't, I haven't stopped anywhere, you know, fear grappled, but... I mean, I would even yeah. argue some survival horror games like Skyrim Survival Mode, for example. I know people will laugh when I say that, but early on like as you're beginning the game if you play Skyrim in survival mode the very beginning it can be kind of terrifying because the atmosphere works against you and you're almost combating the environment as much as you are the things around you and in a way that is kind of intense and scary well, there's I mean honestly so much that, on the if, line yeah yeah there's so much there's so much out there we can mention but Morrowind is excellent. Yeah, it's it's so creepy the atmosphere sometimes. Fallout. I think Morrowind's I mean, great. Death Fallout. Falls. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's just so many just pop in our head. Uh, I think when I define it, I would say you define uh, atmospheric horror by creating this unique and unsettling visual aesthetic where things like ambient noise. The use of silence I talked about, lighting effects versus darkness, 
unknown, things that are unknown, creating that that feeling inside of you, the environment, things like weather, heavy rain, thunder, um, thick mist in the forest, creating lack of visibility, um, lack of resources even, I think is a way, like I think of Resident Evil 4 was one of the ones that really, you know, where you, you only have a few bullets and that's it. And there's these hordes coming at you. So it really kind of, is terrifying in a way uh, creates that sense of um, what am I going to do? You know? So when we shift and we look uh, ahead, I think the best thing before we even look at could have out be, you know, I think one of the questions could it be more like kind of Elden ring in terms of atmospheric horror or creating that uneasy sense of fear about what might be around the next corner. We have to look back. And I think if we look back at pillars one and pillars two, there's a lot there. I, I think there's a lot there that plays into atmospheric horror and that style of an RPG. Um, and instead of me just spewing out some examples, um, did you, do you, it's okay if you disagree with me, but does, did you guys experience that with, especially with pillars one? Um, did anybody feel that that was uh, kind of that dark, gloomy, horror type atmosphere yeah, oh yeah. at least oh yeah definitely i mean give me some examples right like uh at the beginning like when you are done with the tutorial uh stuff and you know the first uh kind of be walk happens and then after that i don't want to spoil that much but then uh, you come out of the like starting area and as you progress towards you're trying to get to gilded Vale, like you know like this whole atmosphere um, you know the music, the weather, um, the just you know the the uh, artistic uh, direction that they took with you know how they convey uh, the environment where you um, where you go and um, you know for for me uh, specifically the integration of you know church bells ringing as you know church bells that sound like uh, uh what they do when people die you know yeah. they're integrated in, integrating that into the music you know when the music uh ends like slowly and then boom boom and then yeah it's just that's you, intense you just see but and then you, you arrive to Gilded Vale, and then the, there's but there's a tree full of bodies, and you know, like the hanging that, tree, that, yes, that, exactly. Just just utter hopelessness and dread. And, yeah, uh, that for me, I the hanging tree was a moment that yeah. I'll never forget. Yeah, you know, that's when I knew this was a different yeah. type of game. That's when I knew, um, I knew early on in the game that obsidian was creating a game where atmosphere wasn't um where that that i don't know that that it wasn't uh so atmosphere was like a crucial part of the development it was like as important as everything else whereas in many games that's not the case it's kind of like an afterthought or an add-on oh well let's add this here maybe it'll be creepier um Whereas this one, I think it was intentionally woven into the story. Even can any of you kind of lean into that? Like, what about the the whole story of Pillars One? Without, of course, giving anything away, do you feel that that leans more towards uh, spooky than maybe some other games? 
I think uh, Widewind's legacy, the whole thing with Widewind's legacy about how children are born without souls is very kind of a terrifying thought. And if you look at any of the lore stuff, like uh, the salvation where um, like animancers took souls from animals and put them into babies. So th to try to cure them from their soullessness and they turn into what was a wits, wicks or white, yeah. they call them. And they, they, and adolescents turn into these monsters. I think I read one book in there where they said like an Orlin child, like ate his entire family uh, because of the, the, the soul thing. It's it, that is such a terrifying thought. Yeah, I mean, there's so many points. Anybody else have any Pillars memories or thoughts about the the whole way that Pillars created this atmosphere and and their kind of dedication to that mature theme? I also think that they had a overarching uh, existential horror uh, in, in Pillars One with the the central question that your past incarnation have and it plays through the game and you come out the other way at the end with a with an answer and it, it's up to you to interpret whether it, it soothes your soul or not. That depending on how you look at things in real life and depending on how you look at things in the game, that might either be a horrifying and, and uh, a hollow thing or it might be somewhere somewhere where you feel kind of liberating or somewhere where you have to process it if, if you want to find solace. I think that's, uh, that's one of the horrors that the game offers to us as players. Yeah, that's a good thought, I agree. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, Gingerino, you have any memories of, of Aora as a place of uh, fear? Since you're since you're so easily scared, you said. <laughs> I mean, I feel like isometric games don't necessarily scare you the same way that a lot of these other third-person action survival scary games did. But, I mean, Aora's got... It's full of horror, man. Like, the games themselves are... For me, one of the things I think that could be horrifying in, in the game world is just the idea of how, like, you're, you're really tiny compared to a lot of stuff. Like, I remember when I first started interacting with the gods, I'm like, oh, yeah, I could, you know, whatever, just be a, a shithead to these guys and it'll be fine. And then, you know, Reamer Gond is just like, okay, you die now. And then blinked me into non-existent. And I was like, you get this idea that, like, you're really at the mercy of all these giant entities that could just wipe you away if they really wanted to. And I don't know, for me, it makes me kind of, like, want to be careful when playing the game. But I can imagine that if you were trying to live in this world, you know, if you enter into some deal or you follow some god worrying about not towing the line and what's going to happen to you. You know, there's some dread there, I would say. Yeah, I mean, totally. I, I mean, I, I, I lean into that 100%. I agree with what you're saying. I mean, and, and what both you and Parenthesis were kind of alluding to a little bit. I mean, it's this, this hopeless nature, this sad, dry world that's kind of been the life has been leached away from this world that you're traveling through. Everything from the vegetation to the, to the things you encounter. I mean, it, it, it was intentional, I, I think, and very, very intentional. And when they wanted to make this dream project, this game that w wanted to be a little bit more mature, a little bit different. Um, and like you said, it's isometric. So they have a number of other challenges, which in a way is probably even cooler because they were challenged really because of this whole top down perspective of how do you make that scary? Um, well, it's hard to I do, think, man. Like, yeah. 
Because I mean, like, you, what's that? What's that area at the at the bottom of the Forgotten Sanctum DLC where the memory hoarder is? You guys remember that? Mm-hmm. I feel I feel like in first person mode that would have been a scary ass place to explore, but in, in isometric, I'm like, okay, this is uh, this is creepy and weird, and I don't know if I like this. Well, and like uh, below uh, your your stronghold, uh, what's the endless pass of uh, Adnua or whatever the, the yep. fifteen level dungeon? That was a that would be pretty freaking scary and <laughs> you know traditional adventure oh, mode. Yeah. I mean, poop your poop your pants, scary for sure. Oh my god, yeah, the catacombs in that Bracken- game. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Brackenberry, the the insane asylum is is pretty uh, is pretty scary and the thought that like the way they do it in isometric games is is just music and like just the sounds that you hear which i think uh obsidian did a really good job in pillars you hear even just in the forest at night you hear like little noises and you're like Whoa, what is that oh man justin bell did so good with it i still skip that song on the on the soundtrack because it creeps me out the brackenberry sanitarium song yeah he so actually talks yeah, yeah, he's true. actually I've talked to I've seen some interviews with him, which is interesting because he talked about this thing that he tried to do with music and with sound effects. Um, and I forgot the exact term. I'd have this just popped in my head, but I he uh, he was he called it um, a reactive ambient uh, music. So designed it in such a way to where when you um, encounter certain circumstances the ambient music would change instead of whereas traditionally at the time pillars came out they may be not the same now but you know they would create an ambient track and that would be it for the dungeon for whatever game you're playing right or or for the district or for the city um but i was trying to remember the one was this pillars 2 um, i'm going to mispronounce the city uh, N- uh nekataka i think um the yeah so there was the different districts and i remember seeing an interview with him where he talked about how it took a lot of work because he wanted things to he wanted it to change as you were changing everything even like if you sit idle uh it the the ambient effects and music change like if you're not doing anything and then when you're exploring and then when you encounter different areas um and that to me just shows that you're putting that atmosphere forward it, it is it's it's not just the thing that you add it's it's part of the story it's an integral part of the narrative um which i, I to me is i i'll be honest with you and i i don't know if i've said this before but I, i'm terrified of the fact that he left i'm terrified uh, <laughs> I, I literally was, yeah, am, man. am I'm terrified. Same for the same reason that I don't think the next Elder Scrolls game is going to be any good because I mean, I know the guy's an asshole. I understand what the uh, soul did. I understand his, I understand he's a horrible person. I get it. And what he, things that he did, you can look it up yourself on Google, but um, just losing that kind of brilliance, it's hard to find. It really is hard to find somebody who can create that in a game. And it just terrifies me. You, you could get somebody in there that for a vow that could just really like, ah, scares me <laughs> to right, death. Avowed's going to be nothing but 8-bit Might I soundtrack, the whole thing. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. 
I don't know, but you know what I mean? When you get used to, when somebody has a part of a franchise that has been with it for, for kind of its Aura's iteration, right? Through, through design, through implementation at the very beginning, losing that, you lose part of, of, of your world. You lose part of that, um, I don't know how to the say flavor it, you, for it. Yeah, you yeah, know, like you lose the, that. It's does, not like does it smell like Aora? You know, <laughs> it's not like you have a game. Let's say like any other game, and they hire Justin Bell to do the music for it. Fine. It's this is different. This came from a different place. Pillars of Eternity's story is from a very different place. The way that game came together, the way that this world was developed out of passion and love, and how how it was just such a unique journey. And being part of that and part of that that small group at the beginning and just and then leave it for Sony. I mean, of all the fucking evil people you would I'm sorry. <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> anyway, oh, wow. I mean Sony? I mean, I know oh, it's man. your dream, dude, I, I, but seriously. Justin Bell's part of the DNA. But I mean, surely they wouldn't do something crazy like get a completely different game director or lead designer for this game, right? Oh they would God. keep that person. Don't even get me started. Oh. <laughs> is Carrie Patel still the director? I believe she yeah, is. Yeah, and and that's good. Is. Like, she's got a lot of uh, history with it. I mean, she's so invested. I'm just, I'm just poking so. fun. I'm just poking fun. No, I know. I agree. Yeah. I was like, oh, I got to check because you never know what week it is. So, what's anyway, I'm getting way off track. So, let's but, go know, back to what. It's, <laughs> I'm kind of excited for a little bit of difference to it. Because, I mean, don't get me wrong. Justin Bell's music is great for Pillars of Eternity 1 and 2. Avowed uh, is a different take on the world of Aora. And I think getting new DNA in there will help. And actually, it's it's. You know, even between Pillars 1 and 2, there were a lot of new names on the project. And I think that that new perspective can sometimes add to the world. It can make it a little more lived in, a little more varietized and wide. So, I'm, I personally, I'm excited for different developers and different people to work on the game. I think they'll bring another aspect to Aora that's just as much Aora, but clearly different. I hope you're right, it's, and I'm uh, also excited and also trying to stay positive, but it's hard. Just listen to that. It's a very optimistic Sora. view. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's Gingerino. I love your optimism, dude. Uh, that's why you're here. Um, it it's, reminds it's a me Canadian that, thing. I have but to. But you know what? You're right. Just because there's one great person doesn't mean there's not another one that's not been discovered yet. So it's just, uh, I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Avowed. One thing I wanted to point out to you guys about Avowed before we kind of start talking about what we would want to see is, and I, I went back the other day and did a little test. I went back and looked at, I got a list of like the top 10 RPGs made in the last, you know, of course, Witcher and all those were in there, Skyrim, you name it. Um, and what I did is I went back and watched the very first reveal trailer for each of those games. You should do this because it is mind-boggling. Um, and I went back and watched the trailer for the first trailer for each of those iterations, each of those games. And then I watched the Avowed trailer. Oh my God. You don't understand until you see this side by side how different it is. Think about the Avowed trailer for a second. I mean, yes, it was short and yes, it, it didn't show a whole lot, but... To me, and this is just my personal opinion, at the time that that trailer was created, the people around Avowed I know have changed, but at the time, if that is the direction that they're going, 
it is one extremely dark trailer two focuses very much on the horror aspects of what we played in pillars and just the way that trailer ends the subterranean kind of dark very things you don't see in a distance um just very mysterious very um dark is the best word for it um that atmosphere is just dripping there whereas if you watch go back and watch the witcher trailer or something like that totally different um i mean like you know the traditional riding my horse through the forest yada 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 you know oh there's a big dragon um it's different so i guess my question to you is am i off track here or and it's fine if i am but do you remember the trailer as being something that kind of leans more towards that atmospheric horror? I didn't really thought about it, but I mean, now that you think about it, I kind of, there's a lot to it. Like there's, there's the war first off. So there's always, that's never always a, you know, happy, joyful rainbows and puppies thing. But I mean, at the very end, you're what alone underground in a dead city at, ready to fight at a moment's notice to survive because you don't know what's down there. Even arrows fall from the sky underground in this place. Like, what's going on here? Yeah, I could. It's kind of. I never really thought about it before. You make a good point. Um, it also depends on the setting, I think, because you know, uh, like other countries or nations of Europe, lend themselves better uh, for for this kind of thing than than others. Like, for example, I don't know. Um, uh what is the what is the south south pole thing called uh white that went the pillars come from white that ones oh. yeah for example the white that went like that would be a completely different kind of atmospheric horror than i don't know i don't know if you could do atmospheric horror in for example the valian republics or grand valley or something because it's it's kind of that you know, um, Italian Renaissance ask, you know, swashbuckling yeah. adventure kind yeah, that's of right. thing. F- famously you unscary know, so- places and times. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, exactly. so, Josh pushed so the animantia ankle. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So I would first uh, wait for the for the setting to be announced, and then uh, see. Well, I- well, for a second, let's then let's assume right that that the rumors are true and they're doing the living lands. Um, and if they're doing the living lands, uh, it's very bright. It's a very bright place, or it could be a very bright place um, based off of some other rumors we had. But at the same time, you could kind of have that kind of atmosphere, if you want to call it a horror atmosphere that 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 grounded has where where everything around is bigger than you and is, and wants to eat you, you know, like if you play grounded and it just like, you can sense a wolf spiders coming in the dark because you hear it and the, the, the sound they make is almost like a bear. And you can see the blades of grass moving because they're so big, they move the blades of grass. So you, you see them and hear them, or you, you hear them before that you actually see them and you can sense them. Before you oh, see them, Raymond, so shut up, man! That. You're creeping me out. Oh. <laughs> they, they, could, they could have, they could have, <laughs> exactly. They could have that in the living lands, where not just um, creatures, but I, I think there, there's a, a lore book saying that um, even the fauna try to eat you <laughs> yeah. in the living lands. It's true. So it, yeah, some yeah. dude wrote a journal. He's like, so this plant tried to eat my legs, son of a bitch. 
I don't know. That's not verbatim, obviously, but you know, like, yeah, the plants want to eat you for goodness sake, dude. It's mm-hmm. oh, such a good point. Yeah, I mean, I guess the Living Lands is kind of supposed to be a frontier. I mean, I guess that's kind of the idea behind it. Uh, I mean, I don't know that we know a ton about it, but we do kind of know that it's supposed to be a place with uh, that frontier aspect, the kind of the the overgrown maybe would be a, a something I would envision of, uh, I mean, who knows really? I mean, uh, oh, they can make odd. it whatever they want. They really can. That's kind of why it would yeah. be a smart pick. It's always funny because if you read the lore for Living Lands, it says, well, from valley to valley, the biomes can change drastically. It's like, it's a, it's a creator's dream. It's Perfect for a game, yeah. Yeah, it, but it, it, for me, anything that includes WoW will determine how scary the game is actually going to be. <laughs> that's, well, that's special goal, especially with vertical be. diversity, you know, being able to go you know underground or or you know subterranean that just also creates like a whole nother level of of uh scare you know a whole nother level of this spooky eerie kind of feeling i really feel like the trailer leans into that and you'll have to go back and watch it and do what i did and go watch some of the others it's actually pretty funny uh, but anyway, because some of those older trailers are really bad, but they're just so bland and and they're just so like, what fantasy tropes can we throw into this trailer? Um, and uh, especially if you go back and watch the Fable one, not the one from 2000, but the the first one is hilarious. Um, but I think that I know that for a second there, something I wanted to pin on was something Parenthesis said um, when we were all chatting. And I don't know if you're willing to kind of expand on this, but um, and that was animancy and how that can also play into the theme of being this this kind of atmospheric horror type game. Do you want to speak on that a little bit, parenthesis, and what you were thinking? Yes. So some of the best uh, horror, uh, I didn't mention it because I didn't, didn't play it, but I saw a, a Let's Play of Soma, and that's a freaking scary game it is a it is a horror game but it's a horror game that mostly works on existential horror on about what is the self and what is you and what is the mind and what if we say make brain copy and transfer technology and that also led me to a brilliant piece of uh, of actually cyberpunk 2077 which are the (laughs) moments you interact with I, i i can defend it where you interact with the, with uh, some artificial intelligences, and it just goes, and it's it is it's amazing. It's amazing writing in an otherwise mm, mixed game, because it just go no, all your preconceptions of yourself and the, the comforts you take in in it, they're wrong. You're insignificant. You, you cannot comprehend what I am. I am a, essentially an alien god that humanity has made, and 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 everything I say makes you doubt. Your own, the, the 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 things you that comforts you at night. It's essentially what Lovecraft wrote about. It's it's the horror we shouldn't see because we have discovered too much, and it 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 uh, it makes us worrisome. So I think and animancy is perfect for this. You can either experience a vision of someone going through this process of of soul magic of of soul science that warps and changes you. Like sort of the end of Bioshock one where you turn into a big daddy, or you can you can experience yourself change permanently, 
or you can see other constructions of people that have been turned into horrible monstrosities. And and that's also what what makes Pillars One such a great game because it, it's it, it's just like medieval physicians beginning to understand the human body and saying, well, a lot of this at least is just mechanics, it's just biology, it's mechanics, and that changes our perception of how the world works and what we are as people. So did Animancy in the Pillars world? This, what is the soul? What can we do with it? And that's unsettling. It's that psychological horror is really what it is. It's it's like the the story, the 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 threads that weave the story and the world together. This whole design is more than atmospheric horror. Is what you made me realize. It's psychological horror. It's it's that 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 mental creating these, which I always love how writers and game designers freely manipulate us and just know the right buttons to push, you know, or things to set out there to know that we're going to start to question what's happening around us, or we're going to start, you know, questioning our own thoughts and actions. And, and then that unsettling feeling starts to creep in. Uh, I totally agree with what you said there. Um, and, and soul magic itself is just, just by definition of what we've already talked about and some of the examples given is terrifying, you know, at least. That's a, and yeah, that that's a really unique kind of thing for pillars, too, because this is a fantasy world that evolves and changes, which is very different from a lot of other fantasy worlds. And you get this animancy, which is a science that is answering these questions that most of the population thought were already answered. And it's kind of a scary thought. It's an exis it's existential kind of horror because, again, it's a scary thought. Like, what does this mean? Like, everything we thought was true is not true. And then, of course, going don't want to go into too many spoilers of the story. But, like, that's all of what Pillars 1 is about is that, like, it's this existential, like, uh, crisis that's happening because of animancy. There's a lot of horror involved in that. I mean, just the idea of Brea Thaman in Pillars of Eternity, the soul prison, you know, this place that you just, you exist for eternally, but can never escape. Mm. Like where Ayavara is and stuff like that. It's psychologically claustrophobic. Yeah, no, it's okay. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's 2015, uh, it's, so if you haven't played it by come now, on now. probably. Yeah, you need if to, you're listening you need to, to go on, If you're listening to this podcast, yeah, you need to get onto the bandwagon. So, um, yeah. So, uh, or, or The Void. So, the Void. The Void, oh, yeah. absolutely. The, the void, void, right. Like, the, the Reamer God the, is the god of endings, the god of essentially nothingness, of oblivion, which is a terrifying thought. I can't decide what is scarier, like the idea of total oblivion, because then when your soul is, uh, I want to say obliviated, but that's a Harry Potter thing, but like when your soul is destroyed, <laughs> then it's done. Obliterated. In, in he yeah, obliterated. Why is, what, man, alive. This is embarrassing. Oh, well. Anyways, <laughs> and other deities, your soul might just be trapped in their cycle forever. And to me, that sounds almost scarier in some senses mm -hmm. than just being completely obliterated. But yeah, either either way, it's freaky and there's a finality or an eternality to souls in narratives that I think are just add extra gravitas to that fear. Yeah, totally agree with that. I, I think, I think we'll kind of wrap it up here and say that, that what my original premise was, you know, of course I was being a little bit uh, over the top there, but 
obviously we know Avowed is not going to be a horror game, but I think the argument is that if you look at past games and past design and, and even, like I said, looking at the trailer, uh, what they chose to show and how they chose to show it definitely leans towards a heavy atmospheric game where they're, they're putting their, they're putting atmosphere at the top of the list with everything else. So it's, well, I mean, it's part of the story in the world. If you think about Remeron, what he was saying about Grounded and like how they're able to present the wolf spider in a way that's actually pretty terrifying, you know, obviously it's all shared talent at Obsidian. I bet they're willing to share notes on how to do stuff like that to make Avowed. It's, it's not hard to add a little bit of tension or scary atmosphere to a game. You just have to have the right things. Like Remeron was even just talking about the grass moving in the distance with the sounds. That's all that have to, that's all you have to do. Yeah. And a wolf spider is yeah. terrifying. Yeah, that's so terrifying that as hell. Yeah, I don't. I think I think you're right. I th- and I know that Obsidian in the past, uh, at least they've advertised this in documentaries and such, that they would have these meetings where they would get together and showcase work and allow other people from other teams, even other games, to comment on and um, maybe offer suggestions. I'm sure that that exists to a certain extent. The problem is something we talked about in a previous episode of 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 come becoming too big where that no longer becomes an option. Um, but I, I don't know that they're there yet. I know they're big and I know they just keep hiring. Um, so I really don't know the total number right now, but I'm hoping that that does exist and that, that they're allowing, especially institutional history is something that for me is really important with Obsidian and something that I'm very concerned about is having even if they're not working on about having people who are a part of that, that company that have been a part of that company for a long time, who were maybe around during pillars one, I know there's not a lot of them, but having them have some say or having are showing things to them and getting their input so that there is, you know, hopefully going to be some consistency. And I think there will be, I'm going to, I'm going the gingerino route here and I'm going to be optimistic and, I think there will be, you know, as many questions as I have, I still think this is not going to be a generic fantasy game. I think it's going to be different. And I think that's why it's going to be successful. They have a reputation to uphold, even if it is a new team, like it's an obsidian game and people expect certain things. And I'm sure they'll, they pass it on to their team of like, you can't just make a game. You have to make an obsidian game and make it scary guys. Come on, you cowards. Come on now. Bring it on. It's, it's it's spooky month. Um, So anyway, uh, released it. Is it spooky month everywhere? I don't, and this is me being completely ignorant here. Like, is this, is this the same in Europe? Yes. Okay, thank you. Because I had no idea. I thought it must be some it's, pretentious it's not in United Italy. States Apparently, thing. Italy so. yeah. <laughs> Italy doesn't celebrate Halloween? Well, who was it that said the Valian Republics aren't scary? So obviously Italy and France <laughs> are just not scary places. <laughs> <laughs> Italians. No, no, okay, no, yeah. well, they're going through their so, own renaissance right now. Anyway, I want to get into that. Um, so, yeah. um, going to listener questions, and then we'll be done. Um, I have I picked out four. Um, we had quite a few people write in. I just wanted to let people know that if you're writing in, I'm not ignoring you. Um, I, I just I'm trying to. I don't. I can't. I'm just picking. 
you know, I may get like one of the questions I'm I'm mentioning today was written several several months ago. So I'm finally getting to that one. So I may get to yours. Just you know, it'll happen. We're only doing one of these a month. So until we start doing them more regularly, um, I'll, I'll try to get through more. Maybe we'll just have a whole episode where I just plow through them. We could certainly do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. Anyway. Yeah, that would be that would be interesting. Um, so here's one. This is I'm going to mispronounce your your tag here. Your name is uh, Cedra Halo, S E D R E H A L O. Wrote us and asked, um, "What are your expectations for the graphical user user interface in Avowed?" And and he goes on to or she goes on to say. Uh, standard fare, minimalistic, or are you looking for something more innovative in the genre? Anybody want to take a stab at graphical user interface for f- fantasy RPGs? Uh, for the uneducated at home, what do you mean by graphical user interface? So I think he's talking about gra- GUI, I think is a specifically the overlay, like how the game, and I could be wrong, remind me if I'm wrong, but I think he's talking about like how the how the game communicates to the user. So for example, in like um, Skyrim, for example, you have the whole thing at the top, which which has the icons where you move around the map and it kind of communicates to you what's on the horizon or what's close. But you also have uh, like uh, Elder Scrolls Online, you have the bar at the bottom that shows you your abilities and and that, that can be, you know, manipulated kind of a little bit. So it's, it's the overlay that goes on the screen that communicates either things you're doing, things that are about to happen or things that you can do. I mostly just asked that so that I could have time to think, but yeah. okay. No. Uh, Fair enough. <laughs> I feel like uh, I'll, I'll game, jump in. I'll jump in. Um, I, I think when I heard this question, um, I don't really know what you mean by innovative. Um, I, I seem different, but I like, well, I usually like games which which will totally, I think they'll allow this in a valid because they do in most games where they just let me remove everything. So I'm more of a minimal guy. I, I don't like a lot of stuff on the screen. I, I, I prefer to hit the, the Alt-Z or whatever it is in whatever game you're playing that just, whoop, it's all gone. And then um, if I need it, I can bring it back. So I definitely want that option. Um, I think it would be cool though if, um, and I know there's a mod for Skyrim that does this, and uh, I know there's also an add-on for WoW that does this for World of Warcraft um, that kind of allows you to manipulate your user interface to your uh, liking. Um, In other words, if you have a mini map at the top right corner and it's always stuck there, um, in World of Warcraft there's an add-on that allows you to physically grab that and move it somewhere else on the screen or make it larger or make it smaller or so having i mean i don't want them to go that far but just maybe having the ability to move stuff around and scale it might be cool yeah anybody I think else have the, the best option is to make it so that it's not nothing extensive because you don't want to have to like program a whole bunch of crazy options, but just remove X, Y, Z or move it to this area of the screen, you know, things like that. I think that would be the best way to do it. I have a feeling they'll probably go closer to the Skyrim route just because, you know, if it's first person and it's narrative focused, you don't want a lot of, 
you don't want a lot of noise on the screen. You want people to focus on what it is you're interacting with. So things will probably actually be faded until you use them. Like your magic bar doesn't come up until you start to use magic or your abilities wheel doesn't come up until you start activating your abilities. I have a feeling that's probably what'll, what it'll lean towards being a fantasy game, but who knows? I think we're, we're we're close to like or the closest thing that they've done is Outer Worlds, which which has a it has a, um, a compass, it has how many bullets you have, and it has health bar slash mana or whatever they're 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 using. There might be more because you know if if they're doing individual abilities, like I hope they are, they they have to show that somewhere. And, but it would be cool if it disappeared or reappeared. Well, like in a lot of games, I. Yeah, a lot of games I play, you have you either lose it all or lose. You know what I mean? You either it either all goes away or it all comes back. I would love it if I could just make certain pieces go away and not the whole thing. Didn't uh, Elden Elden Ring do the GUI pretty well? I personally, yeah, I like it, but I mean, I'm also in love with that game right now, so I'm kind of biased towards it. A lot of a lot of the UI disappears on Elden Ring until it becomes relevant to what you're doing. So like I can't see how many runes I have until I collect some or if I press a button, my magic bar so disappears yeah. until I cast something. So and it's I like reactive. That cause it, exactly. Because then that way like everything on screen is usually something I'm interested in and these information pieces about what my character is experiencing or where they're at only comes up when it's something I need to know. So I, I think that's the best way to do things personally, but whether or not that's what they'll do. I mean, I think if you want to look at bad examples, uh, look at any Ubisoft game. You know, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, <laughs> they just a lot on this. They just they're just like throw the whole bucket. You know, throw throw the throw everything out on the screen at once and yeah. Yeah, you they, do what they go six the, does and have an entire column of quests on the right side of the screen that you have to look at. The whole time? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, brutal. I think you could turn it off, but yeah, like there's a whole right side of the screen in Fallout 76 if you don't turn it off. It's, it's just text. Nothing but text of all your quests that you have to do. Well, here's the other thing they can do if we're talking about GUI is that they don't necessarily have to do any of that. All they have to do is make the game moddable. As soon as you make a game moddable, you, you almost relieve some of the stress for yourself as a developer because... You're like, just let the fans take care of that. We're going to do it this way. If you don't like it, fine. But we're going to allow you to do, you know, like add-ons for World of Warcraft or things like that. We're going to allow you to do that. And then we'll make those permissible and not illegal um, to a certain extent, especially for something like user interface. I mean, and then then you don't have to spend hours developing design you you do kind of what you did with outer worlds for example but you if people want more or less then they can take the the baton and run with it so next question um is from p malleable p malleable says um we kind of talked about this before but um not in this specific way what difficulty levels do you want available in avowed and what do you think of a story mode for casual players? Uh, I am all for difficulty sliders. I know that some people are against it. In fact, I'm pretty showing, sure I know one or two people on this podcast right now are against it, but I'm all for it. 
Um, I also like difficulty sliders. Yeah. Customizable difficulty. Depends like, on the game. The, for something about, I think it'd be nice. Like all the things that you that you as a game developer would change in the settings for difficulty. I don't see a reason why you can't give those controls to the player and be like, okay, here's a custom difficulty. You can make it so you take a little bit of damage when you get hit, and that the bad guys take a lot. You know, like, why not? But like, does it? If it's a narrative experience you're trying to deliver primarily, then why why not do that? Uh, I don't know. Then go read the book. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to read a book. Well, I, I want to walk I, I, walk around and I'll go, explore it. I'll go even further and say that because I also like difficulty sliders, but I would go even further and say I'd also want something like what they did in Pillars Two where they have that achievement system where you can uh, like get perks like for recent, for, for second or third playthroughs, yeah. making it like that, giving you like good. extra. Yeah, it's awesome. I think it's, it's great, especially if you, if you already played the game in hard, want to replay the game in hard, but don't want to go through the, the beginning stuff, you know, because it's a little harder in, in the beginning sometimes. Uh, I think it's perfect. And I, I think more options is better, especially for accessibility. And the other side of the pendulum, too, is like with the God challenges, like, OK, you don't want to make it too easy. Here's ways to make it obnoxiously hard for you. <laughs> like both of these things, I think, are good. I even liked in Psychonauts 2, they had a God mode button. And I know so many people hated that. But I'm like, you know what? It, it matched the game's philosophy of what they wanted to deliver. So, yeah. I guess I it think, primarily I, depends on about like what it's meant to, to right. Do. And do you want that to be adjustable while they're playing? He didn't ask this, or they didn't ask this, but that that's also a concern for me. Is like, do you want the? Do you feel like it, you should make it available mid game if you feel it's too hard to turn it down, or do you make this something that they decide at the beginning of the game? I want story mode, or I want brutal Elden Ring mode, and I have to do the whole game with that. Do you well, think you should make? I think you should make it changeable because, like, let's say you put it on story mode and it's so easy that it actually is taking away from the enjoyment and experience, but you've already played, like, 10 hours. Does that mean you have to start over and play another 10 hours of the game over? Like, I don't know. Like, that just seems punishing to your player for no good reason rather than just being like, okay, well, change it. There you go. Problem but solved. Punishing, punishing is trendy right now as you're experiencing an Elden Ring. <laughs> Yeah, it, okay, but Elden Ring is a different type of punishing, and you know it. Don't that's you sneaky. All right, nice try. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, the punishment I mean, they, in Elden Ring is part what, of the loop. They could also do what uh, what is it, Elder Scrolls, and I believe Fallout does this, where the higher difficulties you get more experience per kill, so it affects like the systems um, if you put your depending on your difficulty, which I think is cool. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's innovative. I mean, I think that's cool. Uh, anything like that that's that's not, you know, I, I, I and I'm, I'm being devil's advocate. I don't really care because I'll make the choice for myself, you know. And and I definitely don't want an Elden Ring game. So if that's what they're developing, they better give me a story mode. So um, we'll we'll see. You know, um, I have another one here. Uh, this is interesting. This is from our astronomer. 342 hour as h-o-u-r astronomer 342 says 
What kind of character creator do you want in Avowed? I enjoyed the customization options in Cyberpunk and would even love it if the game would let me design and import my own tattoos. I find this yeah, question I, funny. I, this I, is... I always <laughs> like to have, uh, spend countless hours on a first-person game character. I give it to my wife. When I, I'm when like, I, make when me a I never see it. When I see, never see the character myself. I know you never see him, but you do. You design him. So, Gingerino, you let your wife do it. Yeah, if I can, I let her do it. She designed my cyberpunk character. I, I like the. I like decisions like what class, and what what traits, things like that. But when it comes to how do you want your character to look, I'm like, I don't care. But ugly, super beautiful, it doesn't matter to me. It's like Keefe says, you're not going to see them anyways. Well, I mean, it's a big part. I mean, if you look at Baldur's Gate 3, for example, it just, you know, hasn't been officially released yet, but they they, they kind of went that route. You know, aesthetics matter, and they, they really fleshed out that, that area where you can develop your character and facial features, cheekbones, um, you know, it, I think it's pretty much expected almost now in RPGs to allow you yeah. to do that to a certain extent. I know Assassin's Creed has gone the other way, but maybe they'll have that genital slider like in Cyberpunk. Oh my god! <laughs> Could you imagine? I, I think, no. If they if they I do, want do to be uh, able to... a lot of go ahead. Uh, go ahead. No, okay. <laughs> go I was ahead. just gonna. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I love when there's the option between the left body type and the right body type. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I was, I was going to say that if they do do something like, like uh, a lot of customization, the only thing that I would ask is they don't do what Outer Worlds, because I, I really like a lot of customization, but I don't like that in Outer Worlds, there's no third person mode. So I never get to see my my character unless I'm in the menu or if I idle and it, it does that revolving camera. I, I like in Skyrim that like I never use third person mode, but if I feel if I'm feeling cool, like I have cool armor on, I, I'll go into third person, just look around and say, Oh, that's cool, and then move on. You know, I really hope that they allow you to do that. Yeah, man. There's something nice about just being like, I look awesome today and I feel fabulous. And I'm just going <laughs> to enter third person mode just to do that. Or so I can peek around this corner and see if there's a bad guy there. But, you know, but, you know there, you go. there you go. There you go. One more email. Feeling unique. It yeah. It is nice. It is nice. So we have one more email I'm going to jump into. I'm going to tell the person who sent this just. I'm going to edit your email a little bit. I felt like the um, tail end of your email was a little was a little bit too directed to a certain person. So I'm going to say your your question because I think it's an interesting one, but I'm going to truncate it a little bit. So uh, Prince Labrador Prince Labrador wrote in and said, "Does anyone else think Outer Worlds is bland and sort of one tone throughout? I'm worried that Avowed will be the same." Answer to the first part of the question, yes. Okay, so that's a... And I kind of see that. (laughs) That's all Kiwi has to say. (laughs) That's all Kiwi has to say. (laughs) What was the question he says? It was... No. Uh, Does anyone think think Outer Worlds is bland? I don't... I do and I don't. Like, at first, it wasn't bland. When I got into the Outer Worlds, I was like, oh, this is great, and I love the setting. 
I did feel though, like by the time I got to the DLCs of the game, it was like, all right, I've seen this asset, I've seen this asset, I've seen this color scheme. Like, it it gets it's sort of muted after a while. You get numb to a lot of the, I would say, the aesthetics of the Outer Worlds, which I mean, at the first at first I thought it was great, but then after a while, it just sort of kind of lost its flair for my for me, anyways. I don't know about you guys. I. I Outer Worlds. I hate. I'll tell you what I hated about it. Uh, I love. I love the game. I love the story, but oh my god, I got so sick of the planet because everything looked like somebody drank Pepto Bismol and then ate a lot of spinach and then just vomited on my screen. I mean, <laughs> it was ridiculous. Like how many mountain terrains were like this pink and green fuchsia like oh my god kill me now i mean there's a difference between that planet and uh monarch right like they did have some pretty drastic there yeah okay but the design of the i think uh, for me it was the design of the colony like everything was very halcyon which i guess makes sense because it's just one colony but i don't know for me that made it way too uniform everywhere i went it was the same buildings and it uh but that said i still love the outer world you, like I you know i platinum the game so uh, there you go maybe it was intentional this is meta meta kind of stuff but but they make this some kind of uh author uh company dystopia where everything becomes very planned because of it like you go in every, anywhere there's always the company items available like I don't know I think it's more like for me I, I don't think it's bland I love the Outer Worlds but I did I, I also just understand drop out? I, I oh what was that oh yeah he did I, he just came back yay for me <laughs> welcome back to it's Zora a- to your your own podcast yeah i got kicked yeah. out i don't know why um I had did, some it, internet. did it stop recording while you were gone we changed no, it's still recording. Mind, and he loves okay. uh he loves outer worlds now he thinks it's the greatest game ever made really kiwi go yeah, kiwi, right yeah Not very contrarian oh, wow. oh, of you I, I was saying that it's a it's a self-meta criticism or a criticism to authoritarian capitalism system where the game is planned because everything is corporate I think that's actually, that might be some truth to that. That's actually a yeah. good point. Damn, this game is art now. I mean, I, <laughs> no, but I, I, go ahead. I, I was just going to say that I personally don't think it's bland. Like, I I understand that, that I'm, I'm, all, I'm very optimistic and I, I like almost everything, but at the same time, I think I, I see what people are, are seeing. And I think what it is, is less that the game was bland. And it's just a, a, a kind of, it was just the, the budget of the game was smaller. So you could tell that, it, that, that a lot of the systems were just a little shallow compared to any other RPG that looks like Outer Worlds. That not is Outer Worlds, because Outer Worlds is a lot like a, like a Mass Effect, but it looks like a Fallout. And when you look at that, you expect the fallout. But then when you start interacting with those systems, you're like, oh, this is this is like a shadow of what a fallout is. And I don't think it's necessarily the outer world's fault for that. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Like, yeah, when I think bland, I think, you know, beige and gray. And it definitely is nothing like that. Like, it's not, it's got flavor to it. But I think that the flavor is just not as 
like you say, it's it's, uh, it's a little more shallow, but that might just be game, budgetary, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's it's not the coloring. It's there's a lot of color in the game, <laughs> but it's a, uh, I don't know. You, you know when the game has soul and when it doesn't. Yes, and and that and that what he said in the question was one tone, uh, and he puts that in single quotes, um, one tone throughout. So I don't know that maybe. Um, Prince Labrador was maybe referring to as much the color choices, but uh, specifically about everything kind of not being enough diversity, which I don't think will be a concern in Avowed. I mean, if we think about Living Lands, like we said, it's it's a it's a dream for a game designer. It's almost like creating a new world, and that you you have this unlimited uh, potential. <laughs> especially a team of game designers. Cause like the way the living lands lore is set up, you could literally give one region to different teams of the development team. And that way each region will be drastically different and it would fit in with how that area of the world is set up. I'm not saying that's what they'll do, but so I'm really curious is it, was this email directed at someone at obsidian or it was, was it-, it was an, there was it was there was some anger in some they pointed fingers at a particular individual and i think if you know enough about what i just talked about you'll be able to figure out who they were talking about but i just didn't think it was important to mention the name and it's not kind of a nasty it was a nasty comment but i think the question itself was uh important i think it was a good question so we'll end there today um and yeah we'll end there today and uh, we'll do another episode next month um who knows maybe we'll take december off i mean we're definitely not gonna hear anything from obsidian so um (laughs) you know we'll we'll see how it goes we're gonna i appreciate you guys coming in and joining me today for this um i do kind of want to allow you allow you to do a little shout out if you want um i'll start with uh if you if you want people to find you somehow then just let us know kiwi are you hiding behind a bush or do you want to be out there for the world uh bush you can watch the previous or listen to the previous podcast or the one before that i think that was the uh uh, shout out of my uh, Instagram page. I don't know. Uh, oh yeah, he's making you. He's making you work for it. Making you work. No, yeah, but, good. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. uh, make him listen. But sh- sh- shout out to Pares Balta Winery in uh, Spain. They make good cover. Thank you. Sweet. I love it. Uh, what about you, Parenthesis? Still streaming on Twitch under the handle uh, Command Objective. Command objective. I'm sub- I'm subscribing right now. Remoran, are you out there in the sphere? Yep, I am at Sir Remoran on Twitter. Cool. And uh, Kiwi. I mean, we already did Kiwi. Sorry. Um, uh, L- Lazar. No, I'm I'm still not on on any social media. Kind of. Okay, so Gingerino, what do you got? Oh, you know, I don't do anything. Nothing cruel, nothing at all. Um, uh, okay, I have two things to mention. One, this isn't a shout-out to me or anything else, but since we're talking about spooky, scary stuff, the scariest video game of all time was invented in 1991 by a guy named Chris Pira on the Microsoft uh, Entertainment Pack 3, Windows 3.0. It's called Ski Free. I don't know how you know about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a parenthesis. You know what I'm talking about. 
Um, Which one? Go go at it. It's called Ski Free. So all you uh, Soulsborn players out there, go ahead and try it. You can't do it. And the Yeti is the scariest monster you'll ever see in any video game ever. Uh, here, I'll put it. I'll put it in chat for you guys. Listen. I so I remember this I, actually. I, I thought I thought it was ski ski or die, but I th- I guess it's ski so free. it's yeah. ski ski free. Yeah, uh, yeah you yeah. can find it on the internet if you Google it. Yeah. Everyone listening, yeah. you can just play it in a browser. Do, it, yeah, do not go down the hill. <laughs> Don't do it. Just stay there for all eternity. Um, as for a personal shout out, a shameless plug. Uh, I have. done my first attempt at a let's play so please be gentle Uh, if you go on YouTube search Gingerino42 you'll find a critical path let's play for Pillars of Eternity and that's just for those of you who are excited about Avowed but you're not super into CRPGs like Pillars of Eternity I try to go through it for you and just show you the world but again it's my first let's play so be gentle but also do criticize where I'm not good so I can get better at it Uh, Gingerino42 on YouTube very cool. How many uh, views did you get on that so far? <laughs> well, like the first one had like a few hundred views very quickly. And then the second one had 27. So <laughs> it was a, a, a massive drop off. But I'm, I'm mostly doing it just to practice and to grow and to learn. Uh, but at the same time, put something out there that somebody might find useful. So I'm not, it's not no, too just high keep, Just be consistent. The view, they will find you. I mean, I, I think with this podcast, I've already kind of learned not to try to predict. Like certain episodes, we have a ridiculous amount of people listening to. And then others, we have a couple of hundred. So it's like, you know, you never, you just never know. And uh, just keep doing it and being consistent and they'll, they'll come to you, especially when the game comes out. I think you're going to see a spike, a definite spike for all the content you've been creating. Uh, I know well, you, whether you, I do or don't, you know, it's, yeah, it was fun to make and it was good practice. And maybe someone will be like, oh, this was useful and helpful in some way. So that's what I'm hoping for. Unless some very, very popular gaming YouTuber tech, takes a hold of the game and that's it <laughs> i mean they already have there's I'm a sorry. lot out there that's that's one positive so there's one thing about my let's play that's nice is it's going to be 17 episodes long whereas all the other pillars of eternity ones are like 56 to 100 and something so much shorter i i have rarely watched you know these big let's plays uh, through but i was one more like really comfy uh let of morrowind that's a good game to watch. Who who is the person you saw though? Co Carnage. It's Hellswake. <laughs> Hellswake. I'm gonna look this okay. up now. I have to check that out for sure. Um, you can find us. Uh, uh, we have avowedcast.com, but you also can find us um, by looking on Twitter at avowedcast, or you can certainly email us. And I please email avowedcast at gmail.com. Uh, comments and statements. Uh, we've been getting a lot of just opinions. That's fine too. Um, and questions, of course, you can send our way and we'll, we'll try to get to them in a future episode. And I hope everybody has a spooky October and uh, appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for listening. This tribunal derives its authority from the divine and concerns itself not with your acceptance of it.